Hello, this is Pastor Mo, Senior Pastor at First Baptist Church of Broussard. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to these messages. My hope is that this sermon will be a benefit to your spiritual growth and that you will prayerfully take to heart the contents of this week's message. I also encourage you to pull up the accompanying sermon notes and follow along as you listen. If you have any questions or would like to follow up after the sermon, feel free to contact me or our staff here at First Baptist Broussard. May God bless you as we begin this week's sermon. We all need forgiveness. I think that's something that we all uh, realize in our life. But the question comes, how can I, how can you find forgiveness? Of course, this is our question of the day in our series, Questions That Need Answering. And obviously, today's question is, how can I find forgiveness? I would gather to say that every single one of you here, myself included, has said something, done something, or let something go by that you are, well, less than proud of. Actually, maybe disgusted with, disappointed, still feeling some guilt over. Even if you're a Christian, as Christians, we can still feel that pain or that guilt. And it just kind of holds over our heads uh, many times as, as things in our past come up. Sort of like the story here I read this week of a man named Stuart and a young woman named Susan. Stuart was about 30. Susan was about 18. They didn't know each other, but they, they met one New Year's morning. Stuart had, uh, well, he went to a New Year's Eve party. And uh, he already had a drinking problem. Of course, you know my belief, any drinking is a problem. But he had a drinking problem. And he got drunk and stayed all night and just stumbling around like I'm doing here now. Uh, stumbling around, looking for, you know, trying to find his place and his, uh, what was going on. But he, it, was, it was at a location where he could sleep on the bench. So he slept through the night, got up next morning, still hung over and, uh, and, and drunk and decided to get in his car and drive off. Now Susan was going one of her first jobs and she was going to work that morning. Now you can pretty much guess how the story goes. Stuart crossed over the lane and hit head on crashed into Susan and she was killed immediately. Stuart lived as often happens but he went to trial got uh, uh, sent to uh, whether sent to prison they decided to to manslaughter charges, and at first it was several million dollars in fines and fees. But the family came back, the family of Susan came back with a rather odd and unusual uh, request for, for payment. They wanted $936 paid to them. Stuart and his lawyer looked at each other and said, Compared to millions, that's great. Oh, yeah, we'll do that. They said, well, but there's a stipulation to it. This $936, you've got to pay it out over the next 18 years, one for each year of the life that Susan lived. That means every single Friday for the next 18 years, you're going to have to sit down and write a check out for $1. Put her name on it. The memo of why it's what it's for, and then you sign it, and then you mail it to. 
Well, at first she thought, well, that was, ah, that's not, that's not, that's no problem. Nine or six two, I'm really getting off easy. Well, about a year later, after having 52 checks written, and every single Friday, dreading Friday coming, because he knew that he was going to sit down there, write her name, why, and sign. And he never was able to be relieved of that guilt because it just held on to him over and over and over for 18 years. Now, some of you may have been dealing with some guilt, maybe not quite that serious of a guilt, but a guilt for that many years, maybe longer. But see, whatever guilt, whatever things you've done in your past, it may not have been as bad as this, but it's still something that could hold you down. God wants us to live in freedom. He wants us to experience forgiveness. He wants us to offer forgiveness to others who have wronged us. And thirdly, we need to go out into the world, those, our schools, our friends, our co-workers, the people we meet, friend or enemy. And we need to share with them the good news, how they can find forgiveness. That's what our task is, to be to reconcile people to God. Even though we don't, may not feel some people deserve forgiveness. Some of you probably now are struggling with something that's happened to you or somebody you know and you just can't let it go. We've got to come to the point where we offer forgiveness and, and come to that understanding of that and seek the purpose of that. Now, if you go back into the Bible... We can find another brief little story, another true story like that one, uh, about a, a young boy who was a really good son and a good shepherd who became a good man and a great king. But then he turned to, into a lousy, murderous, adulterous, deceitful person. Talk about King David. So 3,000 years, give or take a few decades, David became king. God says in the scriptures he was a man after his own heart. Everybody looked up to him. He, you know, he was just the, the hero. But in 2 Samuel, chapters 11 and 12, we come across a very sad and sordid story. King David was king and it was springtime. Now, in those days, springtime was the time when the kings took their armies and went out and sort of whooped up on anybody that did them wrong during the last winter and that season. It happened to be the Ammonites this year. So, David sent Joab, his commander, and the troops out, but he didn't go. You see, it was tradition for the king to go and to leave them. But for whatever reason, he felt like he was better than that or didn't want to get his hands dirty, he stayed back home. Well, one, one day he wrapped on his nice little robe and, and the house coat was walking around in his big fuzzy slippers and uh, he went out to the edge uh, of the balcony and kind of pridefully looked over his domain of Jerusalem. And then all of a sudden something caught his eye. Whoa, there's a woman on top of that roof and she's Got no clothes on and taking a bath. He got, well, rather excited. 
And so he inquired about who it was, found out who it was. Then he sent his guards and says, go get her. Don't ask questions, just go get her and bring her here. So, brought her in. They committed adultery. And he just sent her back home. So it's like, my hands are clean. It's all, us are all good. Nobody's going to know. Well, about a month later, or weeks later, he got a note from this lady whose name was Bathsheba. It says, by the way, I'm with child, and you're the father. Well, that kind of shook him up a little bit, but his adulterous ideas now became deceitful ideas. He said, I'm going to cover this up. I'm going I'm to fix this. I know her husband, actually her husband was a, a soldier, one of his key soldiers, sort of like one of his generals, Uriah. And so he sent a note saying, Uriah, won't you come on back to the palace? I want to talk to you about the war some and then uh, send you back. So he came. They talked a while. He said, I tell you what, you go home, wash your feet, and, and enjoy your, your family life, and then uh, tomorrow take this message on. So he left. And King David said, I'll be able to get out of this. At least we can say that he was there. But the next morning he woke up in one of his, uh, the King David's, uh, advisors came to him and says, why is Uriah sleeping on the ground outside the palace? And he, his eyes grew big and said, uh-oh. So he walked to him and said, Uriah, what are you doing? You're supposed to go home. He said, King, how could I go home and enjoy my wife and family when all my troops and my soldiers are out there suffering in the field? It's just not right. I'm not going to do it. And so he tried to say, well, I'll tell you what. I understand. Well, come on back and let's go have a party. So he got him drunk. Of course, getting drunk always leads to problems. But in this case, even in his drunkenness, David got him drunk hoping that he would go home and have an excuse. But Uriah, even in his drunken stupor, had enough sense, again, to sleep with the servants. He didn't go home. And then David said, man, this is not going to work. So he took, went to another step, an even greater step. And he took a, a, a king's his paper, wrote a note, sealed it, put that seal on it, and says, take this to Joab and uh, take it. And off he went, not knowing any different. He handed it to Joab. Joab opened it up. Now, I don't know what Joab thought. I don't know what he said. But the note said, Send Uriah and the top troops to the front of the line, to the wall. And when the battle gets heated, pull your troops back and leave him there to die. Now this is the king sending a note by the fellow that's supposed to be killed to the, to the captain. Now that is, if that's not audacious, and it shows you just how far humans can go to cover their sin. Even good people can go that far. So Uriah didn't know any difference. He said, okay, I'll take them. He took the special ops forces and off they went to the wall. Because in those days they had big 10, 20, 15 foot walls. And so they got close to the wall in the battle. And then all of a sudden, it, uh, I gather, Uriah must have kind of noticed something. He looked back and he was all alone. And of course, arrows coming down, stones, hot oil, killed him. Word got back to King David. He said, okay, well, that takes care of that. At least, you know, I, I don't have to do, deal with that. 
And he thought he could get away with it. But the feeling kind of kept bothering him. And then one day God called one of his prophets named Nathan. He says, Nathan, I want you to go talk to David and tell him this story. So we kept, Nathan came up and said, King, I've got an issue here I need your guidance on. There's two men in our kingdom, a rich man, very, very rich man, who lives next door to a very poor man, actually one of the sharecroppers. And the rich man had some guests coming into town. And he just couldn't go to the point of killing one of his own sheep or lambs to provide the meal. So he took the lamb of the poor man, the only lamb that he had. And it was more like a pet than anything else. He cooked and ate it for him, served it for his rich guests. King, what, what, what should be done? Well, David went into a fit, said, that man needs to be killed. He needs to pay back four lambs for that and just on and on and on. About that time, Nathan reached up and says, you're that man. You had all the palace, all your wives. You took another man's precious possession. And David fell on his knees and says, I have sinned. And that's when we come to this portion right here of this verse of Scripture, Psalms 51. This is just the first two verses. This is after David has been confronted with his sin. After hiding it, but then he said, I need to seek forgiveness for this. This is what he said. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions and wash away all my iniquity. And cleanse me from my sin. Now, this is the first of about, oh, I don't know how many verses, 12 or so verses in chapter 51. I use this as a prayer every single Sunday morning. This morning, I was on my knees praying this so that God would cleanse me and so that I could stand before you and preach clearly. And I pray this verse or two nearly every day, just these first three verses. And I'm a pretty good fellow. I really, I'm a pretty good guy. You know, I, I don't do a lot of bad things, but, you know, there's still something that I either don't do or thoughts or wrong attitudes that, that, that come up that I need to ask forgiveness for. Now, I'm a Christian. All my sins are forgiven, past, present, future. But I still make mistakes. You still make mistakes. You still sin. Hopefully not as bad as Stuart did in that drunken wreck and not nearly as bad as David did. But you see, sin is sin. It's sin, period. Whether it's murder or whether it's lying, there's still a sin that hinders our relationship with God. Now, this is Psalm 51. But there's something that happened that took place in between here. I kind of told you the story. This is the the final stage. This is sort of the, the last slide of the message today. So this is where we want to end up at, but I want to put it up front so you can have that in your mind. This is where we need to be going. This is what forgiveness, how it starts, is this crying out forgiveness. But after this happens, David wrote another psalm. Psalm 32. Now you would think, well, if he wrote 32, shouldn't it be coming before 51? Well, the Psalms are not in chronological order. Uh, so, but Psalm 51 actually took place right after the, the uh, forgiveness. But this Psalm 32 describes, David describes, he's reflecting back on his sin, 
the consequences of that, what he did, and then how he came to the point of forgiveness and cleansing. Psalm 32 really kind of tells us what forgiveness looks like and what it feels like. I'm going to read just the first five verses of Psalm 32. Listen carefully. How happy is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How happy is the man the Lord does not charge with sin, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained as in the summer's heat. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not conceal my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you took away the guilt of my sin. Amen? That is a beautiful passage of Scripture that helps us to see what forgiveness looks like for ourselves, but also how we should offer that to other people who harm us and then help those out there that are burdened by guilt to know they can have that relief. So a few points from those five verses, and they all start with a P. The priority of forgiveness is the first thing. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I hide iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Now, what part of the Lord will not hear don't we understand? If we have iniquity in our heart, if we have unconfessed sins or things or attitudes in our life, it hinders our relationship with God. Remember two weeks ago I talked on prayer? There was a protocol of prayer that, you know, that there's things that we need to take care of on our end. To make sure that our prayers are heard and responded well. Now Psalm 32, going back to Psalm 32, which is our key passage here. Verse 3 and 4 talks about this. David said, when I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Now this is David looking back and focusing on the, the cost of his sin. We all make mistakes. And I'm not talking about that we have to be perfect, but David here in this position realized, I sinned, and I need to make it a priority to seek forgiveness. Now, all of us here know about forgiveness, and we all know we need to do that, but that's not often the first thing that comes to our mind when, when we make a mistake. We usually try to cover it up or hide it or ignore it. But the priority, the first thing that comes to mind each and every day as we live our life and we recognize that we have fallen short of what God wants, we need to ask forgiveness. Because if you hold on to that, that guilt, that hold on to that sin, if you continue in that sin, as it says here, it just wears on you. Just like stress wears on you, guilt of sin wears on you and it causes you to lose your joy, to lose your vitality. It just drains you. God doesn't want us to live that way. He wants us to live victoriously. Make it a priority. David, at first, did not make it a priority. He tried to hide it, deceive it, and then he committed another sin to try to cover it until finally God convicted him, but then he made it a priority. 
Now, what a difference would have made if he'd have done it earlier. We need to make it a priority to seek forgiveness for ourselves. We need to make it a priority to offer forgiveness to those who do wrong to us. And we need to make it a priority to share the good news. There's forgiveness for everyone. No matter what you've done, there is no sin here that any of you have ever done or could ever do that is unforgiven. But we have to come to the Lord. We have to follow his plan. So we need to make priority of forgiveness. Then we can access the power of that forgiveness. We'll go back to the first two verses of Psalm 32. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man who does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now, in here you obviously see four different descriptions of sin and of wrong. Each one of these can be illustrated in the life of King David. Now, I'll put the four across the top. Transgression is to be willfully disobedient, to break the law. Number one, you see, David disobeyed God's law about sexual purity. Sin is missing the mark. You remember the image of, a, of, of an archer and a goal and you shoot the arrow and if it falls short, it means you fall short of what God wants. Well, the intents of David's heart flew wild and he missed the mark about how to deal with other people, women, how to deal with other individuals and impurity. Iniquity. Iniquity has the idea of something that is warped, distorted, and perverted. Well, David's life became distorted and perverse. Not only did he commit adultery, he committed uh, uh, murder, and he tried to hide it. And then the deceit, that's the last one. He just tried to cover it up, deceiving himself and others. You see, when we confess our sins and when we come to ask for forgiveness, it doesn't work very well to say, Lord, forgive me whatever I've done today, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm good tonight. Good night, Lord. No, we need to, you, when you sin, when we fall, we, we live it out specifically. We understand that you need to confess specifically what you sin, what you did wrong. Because if you just say, oh, forgive me, whatever, it just makes it easier to continue that sin. Because you, you're not recounting the, the guilt of it. Now, there's good guilt and there's bad guilt. Good guilt is whenever you've messed up, you sin, and uh, you haven't made it right. You need to be guilty. Some of you need to be feeling guilty here today because you've sinned, but you haven't asked forgiveness. You haven't asked God to cleanse it. You should feel guilty. But guilt is designed not to make you feel bad, but to cause you to want to come back to God and to make peace with Him. That's His loving way. Maybe tough love, but it's a, a tough, just love to draw you back to Him. And of course, there's bad guilt. And that is, some of you probably have people in your life, maybe a family member, maybe just others, who continually or at least often bring back up or remind you of your mistakes in the past, of your sin, of how you, how you were. And it can easily make you feel unworthy and make you feel less than clean. If you've asked forgiveness for your sins, Jesus has forgiven things. 
don't hold on to them. Don't let your mama, your daddy, your brother, your sister, your friend, or anybody hold that over your head. When God says you are clean, you're clean. That's the power of forgiveness. That's the power that comes with that and the things of this nature. There was a lady by the name of Rosalind uh, Goforth. There we are. Rosalind Goforth. She wrote a little uh, paper called What God Does With Our Sins. Now she wrote this while she was on the missionary field. She was a, a missionary and was considered to be a real godly woman. Married to a wonderful missionary husband. And they served faithfully. But something happened, either emotionally or depression uh, or just Satan bringing an attack because he didn't want them to do great things. She began to just think back of all the mistakes she's made in her life. It just felt unworthy. And, but she had enough right of mind to say, you know what? I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to look at the scriptures and see what the Bible says about it. I know what my mind, I know what other people are telling me, but I'm going to go and see what God has to say. Now, that's an important principle. If God created everything, that means he created forgiveness. He invented forgiveness. He provided forgiveness through Jesus. Don't you think he has the best protocol, the best order to do that? Well, see, this is what she came up with, and I would encourage you to do something similar. We have the computer, the internet, you just go Google what the Bible says about forgiveness, and boom, it'll list hundreds of verses. Take some time, read over them, meditate on them, and pray over those, and soak it into your firm foundation of belief so that you can operate off of that. But this is just 17, and don't worry about writing this down. It, uh, Pastor Adam puts our, my notes and audio up on, the, on our website. Go there. Or you can email me at pastormoke at fbcbroussard.com. Pastormoke at fbcbroussard.com, and I'll send you these. But this is just a, a power washing. I've done this before just to kind of blow over you with this word, with his word to see just how much we can, what he does with our sins. Number one, he lays them on his son, Jesus Christ. Then Christ takes them away, and they're removed as far as the east is from the west. And when we seek for them, they're not found. The Lord forgives them. He cleanses the blood of his son. Cleanses his white as snow. He abundantly pardons. He tramples them under his foot. He remembers them no more. He casts them behind his back. He casts them into the depths of the sea. He will not impute us with sins. He covers them. He blots them out. Blots them out as a thick cloud. He blots them out even the proof against us. Making it, nailing it to sun's cross. Amen? We need to be thankful for that. We need to know that. We need to have that confidence that when we make it a priority to seek forgiveness, God has the power to cleanse no matter what. You don't have to live with your sin-ridden past. Put it behind you. Now, I'm not saying the consequences of that won't go away, just like in the, in, in the, in the story of Stuart Susan. Susan's family was hurt. I don't know if this is necessarily the best way to handle it. Didn't allow Stuart a chance to ask forgiveness. But we need to, to let go of the past and realize that the consequences may still stay there. But the forgiveness can be there for that. Next, the protocol of forgiveness. It's really the order. I mentioned this with prayer. There's a protocol of prayer. As I mentioned, if God created forgiveness, don't you think he has the best plan 
And if we truly want to have forgiveness, we need to follow his plan. Don't make it up. Don't try to decide how God should operate in your life. Follow his plan. Psalm 32.5 kind of lays it out for us. It says, I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sins. So this is really, in a nutshell, this is a summary of what the protocol of, of forgiveness is. There's more steps to it. But this is the idea is that you acknowledge your sin, you confess, you agree with it, and then forgiveness is there. It's a pretty simple process if we just follow that. Now, I've listed nine here. Again, don't worry about writing down. You can get those off the website. But I want just in your mind to mentally scan down through these and see what it is. You need to acknowledge your, your sin. If you don't acknowledge your sin, you're not going to receive forgiveness. Confess, which means agree with God about your sin. You need to say, God, I have sinned. What I did in this case, this was wrong. It's against your word. I acknowledge that. I'm not blaming my mom, my brothers, my family, the society. I'm taking responsibility for this sin. I'm confessing to you. And I'm repenting, which means uh, 180 turn. You turn your back on it and you walk away from that sin. And then believe that God can and will forgive us our sins and accept his forgiveness completely. Now, this is really sort of the, the, the core of it here, these steps here, one through five. You have to believe it, accept it, and the forgiveness is there for you. Then there's a few other steps to continue it to make this process complete. Discern if anyone else was harmed and strive to make restitution. Remember the story of Zacchaeus who was the, uh, uh, who cheated people out? I think it was like four times or five times he paid them back more, five times more, four times more than what he cheated them from. Making restitution. Now, making restitution doesn't mean forgiveness. Because there's a lot of people who pay back or go to prison or whatever and make restitution, but they don't get forgiven. But part of the process is if you've harmed somebody, you need to try to make it right. Number seven, make a decision to avoid repeating the sin in the future. Now, we, we do sin, sometimes the same sin, on different occasions. But we should seek with all our heart to avoid that sin or that situation. Number eight, which helps us to stay close to God and his word and his church. That helps us with this accountability system to strengthen us. And then lastly, share forgiveness to others. Remember last week when I talked about uh, problems, difficulties, how God comforts us with our problems so that we can use that experience of comfort to comfort others. Same thing with forgiveness. When you truly receive forgiveness, you know what it means to have that guilt taken away. You know the freedom. So then, why hold on to it? Offer that to somebody else. Show somebody else how to seek forgiveness. You know, the greatest act of love, the greatest act of friendship that you can do is to share some, with somebody how they can have their sin forgiven their guilt taken away, and that they can have a relationship with God through Jesus. That's the, the highest form of love. Why we fear to do that, why we avoid that, I don't know. But if you truly care for somebody, you'll want to share with them how to be forgiven. Of course, the scripture says we're to love everybody. So that means even your enemy, somebody who treats you badly, because of God's love for you, if you've received forgiveness and you've been cleansed, you have a responsibility and a privilege to offer that to somebody else. And that's where we come into the promise of forgiveness. 
We follow the right protocol. We make it a priority. And we seek God's direction and guidance and follow his protocol. That there is a promise of that powerful forgiveness. First John 1 John 1.9 says this. Read it with me, would you please? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now that is a beautiful, powerful verse. We've got to believe it. We've got to put it to practice. There's a promise. There is nothing that any of you have done here that if we make it a priority, that the power of God's forgiveness cannot flow over us. And that we can have that. If we follow his protocol, then the promise is assured. And the New Testament says that all God's promises are yes and amen in Jesus. Because of what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago, he took your guilt and my guilt and paid the price, making it possible for us to receive forgiveness. If Jesus hadn't done that, we couldn't we'd never have forgiveness. Because none of us are perfect. None of us can make right what we've done wrong. Only what Jesus did for us provided for us. And so it's through the precious blood of Jesus, that fountain flowing free, that cleanses us. And that brings us to the last slide here about there's hope, there's forgiveness. We need to have hope. We need to share hope. And it all comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is an old hymn, one verse of it. Let's just sing it together, would you? There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that blood Check out the Faith Life tab located on our homepage at www.fbcbroussard.com. There you can find answers about salvation, spiritual growth, and getting plugged into a local church. And don't forget to check out the other sermons in this series as well. May God bless you.